Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shechebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shechebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren and may they only share in semachot for the entire family. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by Dr. Isaac Meddeb and his wife Lily in memory of Moshe ben Rachel Man. Ruach Hashem Tanihinu Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Amin Ishmael Acham Baruch Rafael ben Miriam and Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihinu Began Eden. Amen. We are beginning on daf Kuftet Amud Rishon and we are one, two, three. Four lines from the top of the Amud. Tanya, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer. Chotfin, Matzot, Belele, Pesachim, Beshvil, Tinokot, Shelo, Yishnu. Now, the interpretation of this Gemara <coughs> is indeed a machloket amongst the Rishonim. What does it mean? Chotfin, Matzot. Literally means you grab the matzot on Lel Pesach in order that the children should not sleep. So let's read the Rajbam's interpretation first. Chotfin matzah magbihin et ha So he learns that you lift the ka'ara, that's the, we call it the seder plate, bishvil tinokot shiyish'alu, in order that the children should ask. Now obviously, the Rajbam must have had a different girsah here. As you see, the Masorata Shas brings down that there was a different Girsakidishi Yish'alu. Not in order that they shouldn't sleep, but in order that the children should ask. Mm-hmm. So, according to this first understanding of the Rajbam, it seems that that was his text. In order that they should ask, you do something out of the ordinary. You lift up the Ka'ala where the food is on there. You grab the Matzah. <coughs> So that would mean ochlim maher. You eat fast. Now, why do you eat fast? In order that the children are able to stay up for the seder and they don't fall asleep. Hotvin matzah. They eat the matzah fast. Those were the two interpretations that Rashi explained. Ve'yesh gursin mitzvot. Some have the girsah mitzvot. So the chotfin mitzvot, when you lift up the ka'ara that has on all the mitzvot of the night, the matzah, the maror, the shnei tavshirin, and we have a custom like this as well, that before the manashtana we do lift up the ka'ara and we take it inside, in order that the children should think that the dinner is over, and then they ask questions of manashtana laylazeh. So this is still a practice. Velinir e, chotfin, you take away the matzah from the children Which means you don't feed the kids their full meal 
In the middle of the meal, you grab the matzah away from them. Because when the children get full, they get tired, they go to sleep. So therefore, you don't feed them their full measure on their Pesach, so they can stay up. And they stay up to ask the questions. They won't sleep. So therefore, this interpretation combines both. Uh, so they don't sleep in order that they should ask the questions. <coughs> Because they didn't eat their satiation. Right, you grab the matzah from the kids so they don't fall asleep. Even if the kid only ate one piece of hazer like lettuce, and he only, let's say, dipped one uh, piece of uh, meat, let's say, you still grab the food away from him. Gozlin, meaning you steal it from him. Chotvin. V'rabenu pinesh, shechen ikar oto lashon chipirashti, chotvin b'maharin le'echol. So then the Rashbaz preferred interpretation is you eat quickly. Why? Medeketani ad Rabbi Akiva batra. Later on, in the next piece over here, we're going to see how Rabbi Akiva would start the seder early. He would go quickly in order that the children should not sleep. So you see there's a connection between this drasha and uh, Rabbi Akiva. I mean, they did the seder quickly in order that the children shouldn't sleep. Which means there's two statements that will be back to back, both have a common denominator because you don't want the children to sleep. Take the food away from them quickly, that's the first statement. And the Akiva is going to tell you that they would start to say that early in order also that the children should not sleep. So that's the connection between the two statements. Now, <clears throat> the Hok um, Yaakov writes that when the Rashbam says that you take the lechem away from the children or they shouldn't uh, get tired, they shouldn't sleep and therefore they'll ask the uh, questions then he brings the Rambam which means the custom of Rambam says was from each other they would grab the matzah you know, from each other, so to speak, or the kids say, what's going on over here? So he writes over here, That's where we got the custom, that we let the kids grab the afikoman. Right? Hey, where are you going with the afikoman? No, we're taking it, they hide it. Why do we let them do that? Again, we let them grab the matzah, in order they should not uh, sleep. <coughs> Okay, comes the Gemara and continues. Tanya, Amru Alav al Rabbi Akiva, Miyamav lo Amar Higia et la Amod bebet Medrash. He never would say it's time to get up from learning. And they would learn until all night. He never would say it's time to get up. Hutz me'arbe pesachim ve'arev yom kipurim, except for two days a year, erev Pesach and erev yom kipur. In order that the children should not uh, be tired and sleep. 
שיאחידו את ביניהם. And on Eid Kippur, so they can feed the children. Now what does this mean? So let's read the Rajbam. חוץ מהרבה פסחים, כדי שישנו את התינוקות ביום. So he's telling you, so the fathers can go home and put the kids to sleep. And therefore, so the kids will be up. So the Biyakira would mevatil Torah for this, uh, for this item. Tosfot doesn't accept that. The top Tosfot says, What does that mean? The kids can't go to sleep on their own, or they need their fathers to put them to sleep. Then he gives a second answer, the Rajbam. Ina me'am reading Rajbam. Kishima'akibim adalayla la'ashirashik yeshenim atinokot. Which means they would not stay in the Bet Midrash late at night. In order, why? Because the kids are going to fall asleep. So the Tosfot answer, V'tam shni shepirish, Shema ya'akvu atshirashak harbeh, Im ken lo'ayu srikhim na'amod bayom, Kim balayla. According to this reasoning, why did they mevatel the midrash in the day? Rabbi Akiva should have got up. Once it got dark outside, he said, "Okay, Rabbi, we have to go for the seder." Why would he have to mevatel in the day? So both reasons that the Rashbam brings the Tosafot <coughs> cannot accept. So therefore, the Tosafot has a different gersa. The garis lele pesachim. Instead of erev pesachim, it's lele pesachim, which is a beautiful concept. He says, "Ve'ayudi gidim bebet midrash del yom tov." They used to sit in the Beit Midrash and have shi'ur and learning even on the night of Yom Tov. And it seems on a normal Yom Tov, they would uh, sit in the Midrash for a while and they wouldn't start the Sa'udah till late. Except for Leil Pesach, Rabbi Akiva would say, Ad Kam, we have to go home to make the Seder. The so therefore, in order that they uh, give uh, food to the kids that are uh, not going to fast the next day. The Ritba <coughs> learns it, this is even referring to the Gedolim. Because we know that there's a mitzvah to eat on Erev Kippur. The Gemara says that whoever eats on Yom, Erev Yom Kippur as if he fasted the ninth and the tenth day. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva would mevatel the midrash on Erev Kippur so the adults can go home and eat and fulfill this um, important mitzvah of eating on Erev Kippur. Okay, comes Gibran continues. Tanu Rabbanan. We have a Ibraita. Hayav Adam Nesameyach Banav Ubnei Beto Baregin. A person is obligated <coughs> to Nesameyach to make his family and his children, his wife, happy on the regal, on the uh, regalim. Shne'emar, as the Pasuk says, V'esamahta b'chagecha. Now what? You have to be happy on the hag. The full Pasuk is, V'esamahta b'chagecha, atta u'bincha u'betecha, v'abdecha v'amatecha, v'alevi v'agen v'ayatom, v'almana asher b'sharecha. Now, the Tosfot just questions why the Gemara chose this Pasuk. Tema, This is not really written by the Hagim. 
בפרשת ראה, ולא מה היא תקרא דכתיב בפרשת ראה גבי רגל, ושמחת אתה ובניך וביתך. ויש לומר ילדים במעשה דכתיב ביתו בהדיה. הסיס בו במעשה שני, the פסוק clearly says, אתה וביתך, which means his wife, so therefore he chose that פסוק over the other פסוק that's written by the רגל, so therefore we learn from there that even his wife. So it comes again and says, במה משמחם? הרי הם משמח להם? So the Tarakama says, ביין. That you give them a good wine, and that makes uh, people uh, happy. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Anashim b'ra'u'ilahim, v'nashim b'ra'u'ilahim. No, you can't just give them wine, not everybody enjoys wine. The men, whatever they enjoy, and uh, what's worthy for them, and the ladies, what's worthy for them. Anashim b'ra'u'ilahim b'yayin. The men, they enjoy a good wine. V'nashim b'mai, and what about the ladies? Tani Rabbi Yosef b'babel. Depends where you are. With the colored garments, yeah, the uh, picturesque clothes. With the special linen clothes that were pressed. Now, why didn't they give the linen pressed clothes in Babel? So the Tosfot says, <coughs> In Babel, they weren't uh, professional at making gihuts, at pressing the clothes. So therefore, that would not be a good item to give them. However, in Israel, they were good at making the gihuts, the pressing of the clothes. You'd give them the linen garments. Tanya, we have a brighter. Biuda ben Betera Omer. Bizman shebet hamikdash kayam en simcha ela bebasar. When the Beit HaMikdash was around and they brought the Korbanot, so then already the Ikar Simcha is what? With the Basar Shneemar, V'zavachta Shelamim, Nachalta Sham, V'samachta Lefnei Hashem Elohecha. Which means they would bring a Korban Shlamim, like we learned Shalmei Simcha, that they would bring on the Regel, before the Regel actually, and on the holiday itself they would bring the Korban Hagiga. So therefore, that was the Ikar Simcha. ועכשיו שאין בית המקדש קיים, נאדת אין לו בית המקדש, אין שמחה אלא ביין. זאת אומרת, כן אביין, בשר אנימו, או בקיסטול אביין. הרי מינו יין בין שמחה שנאמר, ויין ישמח לבב אנוש. זאת אומרת, ישמח the hearts of men. And that is even applicable till today. We can still have wine on יום טוב. Now the Gemara goes back to discussing the Shi'ur for the Arba Kosot that we mentioned on the previous Da'af. <clears throat> now we learned that the Kos should have at least a Rivi'it. And when we say Rivi'it, it doesn't mean a Rivi'it of wine. It's altogether a Rivi'it, which is one part wine and three parts water. <laughs> because we remember that they used to have the dilution in the times of the Gemara, because their wine was very strong. So now the Gemara is going to give us different ways to measure the shi'ud of a revi'it. So the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yitzhak, Kasta de Morisa de Havabitsipori, he Havat Kimin Luga de Mekadesha, Uba Mishaarin Levi'it Shel Pesah. So Rabbi Yitzhak said, the Kasta de Morisa, Rashi, Kasta Rashbam, Kasta de Morisa, Mida, it's a measuring cup. Shemukhrim ba Muryas, that they sell the Muryas in there. Muryas would be like the uh, fish fats. The fish, exactly. The fats of the fish, they would sell them in a certain keli. So this item that they call the Kasta, the measuring cup of the Muryas, Dava Bisipuri, 
that was in the city of uh, Tipuri. So he says, Havat kimin luga demekadesha, which means the shiur of it was a log. Now we know a log is for ribiyot. When we say ribiyot, it's really ribiyot a log. Okay, so there's four ribiyot and a log. So this item over here was the shiur of a log. Now what does it mean demekadesha? Uba. So he explains it. Like the log uh, of the holy Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash also, they would uh, put it uh, on the uh, Mizbaya. You need to know Shi'ur of uh, log for the Yayin, that they put on the Mizbaya. So there's this Shi'ur was the log, meaning exact measurement like they had it in the Beit HaMikdash. And they were able to use this item, this measuring cup, to know the Rivi'it HaPesach, meaning they would fill it up, and then you'd already have enough Arba Kosot. Because once already you fill it up, you have four Rebi'ayot, which covers your four Kosot for Pesach. Let's read that in Tashbam. Uba Mesha'ari Ve'ayisha Pesach, Shemimali'in Ota, they would fill it. Umehalkin Ota, Arba Kosot, put it in four cups. Delog Arba Rebi'ayot. Now, Amar Rebi Yohanan, Timyata Kadmaita, the early measuring cup called the Timyata, the Abab Tiberia, that used to be in Tiberias, Havat Yitera Alda Riva was a Rivi'it bigger than the uh, first cup that we talked about, the Kasta de Moraisa. So therefore, they were able to use this cup as well as measuring cup to figure out a Rivi'it. How? He says, Uba Misharin Pesah. With it, they were able to figure out the Rivi'it Pesah. How? They would fill up the larger measuring cup of Tiberia first. And then, after they'd fill it up, they'd pour it into the smaller cup of Tsipori. And whatever was left over in the larger measuring cup of Tiberia, you knew was a Rivi'it. Because there was a Rivi'it more in the Tiberia measuring cup, the early one, than in the Tsipori. So you fill up, the, what do you call it? This is the current one of Tamaita. Not the support. The no, the Kadmaita Kadmaita is the. I'm saying there are also the comparison from the older Tamaita to the, to the current. The original Tamaita was a more than the current Tamaita. Oh, okay, we, we okay, fine. I mean, but we were talking about the early, the the, the Kadmaita, the old one. So the old one had a more than a Devi'it. So what did you do? All right, you say you just used the two Tamaitas, Jimmy. Right, okay, Tamaita. got it. They took the early Tamaita that Devi'it more, fill it up. Pour it into the current tamaita, and they would filter the top. Whatever you have left over, Not you have it if you eat. Good. Good. <coughs> Look at the Rajbam. Uh, Rajbam says that uh, clearly. Rajbam says, Tanita mida. Vahainu tuman ve'uchlada basikat sota. Well, it's a measuring. It's a measure. Havayitra alda tamnyata. Very good. The uh, early one was bigger than the current one. They would fill it. Whatever was left over is going to be a Rivi'it. Comes Gibran says, Amar of Hazda. Rivi'it Shel Torah. Now the Gibran is going to give us how to calculate the Shi'ud of a Rivi'it in area. So the Gibran says, the Rivi'it of the Torah. 
Now, obviously there's other places besides uh, Lil Pesach where the shi'ur of the Nebi'it is necessary. As a matter of fact, the Lil Pesach is not even a shi'ur from the Torah. That's a shi'ur with the Banan. So Rajbam tells you, Kiyon Nebi'it Ya'in Shil Nazir Halakhan Moshe Messinai that the Nebi'it Ya'in that a Nazir drinks to break his Nazirut. The Nebi'it Dam Haba'a Mishne Betim If you have, let's say, a Nebi'it of blood that comes from two corpses, it causes oil to ma'a, if it's under a roof. Then af kalam mikra, ugon de bi'it shemen l'kikin nazir. The bi'it of shemen that's necessary when the nazir brings his korban and his menha, you need a bi'it of shemen. Tihika di yadit l'mikra b'menachot, umidat halala keli b'ribuwa, which is if you measure the keli that you're putting this Rivi'it in there. Havi etzba'ayim orich, al etzba'ayim rohab, berum etzba'ayim v'hatsi etzba' v'chomesh etzba'. Which means, the shi'ud would be length to etzba'ayim, to etzba'ot would be an etzba'ayim. Etzba'ayim, whatever we say, etzba'ayim means the wide part of the thumb. That's considered an etzba'ayim. So therefore, it would be two etzba'ayim in length, by two etzba'ayim in width, by... 2.7 etzba'ayim in height. Now, how do we get that? We read that inside. That's 2 etzba'ayim going in length. By 2 etzba'ayim in the width, berum with the height of etzba'ayim, that's 2 etzba'ayim, the hatsi etzba'ayim, and a half etzba'ayim, the homish etzba'ayim, and a fifth of an etzba'ayim. So, very simple. Take a half of an etzba'ayim, and a fifth of an etzba'ayim, just make it, break it down into the fractions, break it into tenths. A half an etzba'ayim would be five tenths, a, a fifth of an etzba'ayim would be two tenths, so that would give you seven tenths, so that would be point seven. So therefore the shi'ud would be 2 by 2 by 2.7. Which means if you have a cup with those measurements, you know for sure you can fit a rivi'it. So comes the Gemara and says, Kiddetanya, like we learned in the bright, and what the Gemara is going to do is, it's going to bring you the shi'ud of a mikveh. And once we learn the shi'ud of a mikveh, we'll be able to automatically break that down and figure out what the shi'ud of a because after all, a mikveh is 40 se'ah. And therefore, uh, once we break down what the shi'ur in measurement, how much, what's the shi'ur that you fit 40 se'ah in, so then just by bringing it down to a nivi'it, we can figure out exactly what the area, the cubic area for a nivi'it is going to be. The Gemara does it. Gemara says, Kedetanya, like we have a right now. V'rachatz b'mayim it called Besaro. The Pasuk by Megveh says that the fellow will immerse in the water all his flesh. So we learn from this Pasuk a few things. Number one, Shelo davar ben Besaro lamayim. Number one, we learned the law of Hatita. There could be nothing interfering between his flesh and the water. How do you know that from? Because uh, the Pasuk says, uh, and therefore we learned that what? That the mayim has to be al kol besaro. The mayim has to be on the basar, as opposed to something that is in between, that is interfering. Bemayim, now when the pasuk says, bamayim, that means the special waters. Bemayim is the waters. What does the waters teach us? 
the special waters of mikveh, meaning they have to be rainfall, it has to be collected on its own, it cannot be mayim sheuvim, where they were drawn. Et kol besaro bamayim, and what it says, et kol besaro, meaning it has to be waters that can cover all his flesh. What do we learn from there? Mayim shekol gufo ole bayim. It's got to be enough water, the minimum amount of water of a kosher mikveh would be the amount that a person would be able to immerse himself and the water would cover his entire body. Now what is that? So comes the Gemaran says, Vekamayin, how much is that? Amma al-amma berum shalosh amot which is one amma in length one amma in uh not one amma in length, no. Amma al-amma would be an amma in width, an amma in depth, berum shalosh amot, and shalosh amot in length. Okay, so it's one by one by three. Okay. All in amot. Now, why did they get that shi'ud? Because a normal sized person, again without his head, when he lies down, is able to put himself in to lie down straight in three amot, and the normal width of a person would be an amma, and let's say the thickness of a person from his belly button to the back would be also an amma. So when he lies down, now, even though we're not factoring in his head, but what happens when you lie down in water? The displacement causes the water to rise. And therefore, when he lies down in that water, it'll cover his head as well. So they're giving you, if you take the cubic uh, area of one amma by one amma by three amot, that's the shiur. Now, what is it equal in shiur? The shiuru hachamim shiur me mikveh arba'im se'ah. The rabbis told you, 40 se'ah, that is going to be the measurement. Now, from this, we're able to now figure out what the shi'ud of a revi'it is. Which means we're looking for a revi'it 2 by 2 by 2.7. Now, we're going to figure that out from what we know already by the 1 by 1 by 3 of a mikveh. How? Now, the rashbam, over here as you see there's a big rashbam, goes through an entire mathematical process in order to get to the conclusion of this uh, calculation. Other Rishonim have different ways to get, like most math problems, there are many ways to get and figure it out. Each one uses the system that he felt was most uh, easy for them to get to the conclusion. For the uh, sake of this Shi'ur, we will offer the uh, approach that Abinu Hanan El gave in order to come to this uh, conclusion. For those that want to read the Rajbam, you have the art scroll, has a whole chart on 109B1, where you can see exactly, but it is not in the uh, scope of our mathematic ability, at least today, to go through uh, this chart, but we'll give it to you quickly according to the Benu Hananel. And we start. Just facts that you have to know. An Amma equals six tefahim. Okay, now, every tefah has four uh, it's ba'ot. So therefore, in every amah there is 24, it's ba'ot. Fact. So therefore, if we want now to go back to our shi'ud of mikveh, which is one amah, by one amah, by three amot, let's break it down into it's ba'ot. It would be 24 by 24 by 72. 
Okay, let's keep that. We just broke it down from Amot to Itzbaot. Now, let's go to the Shi'ud of the Mikveh, which we know a Shi'ud of the Mikveh is 40 Se'ah. That we know. Now, a Se'ah is 6 Kabim. Each Se'ah is 6 Kabim. And we know that in each uh, Kav, there is 4 Lugin. And a Log is 4 Rabi'ayot. So therefore, if we would want to break down 40 se'ah into the we would uh, we would get 3,840 rabi'ayot. It's 6 uh, times 4 times 4 times 40. Right? That's how you're getting it. Going 196 to, times 40. 196 times 4. Very good. That's how you're going to get the shoot of the bi'ayot. So let's go to the calculation again. We would say then, 24 times 24 times 72 etzbaot equals 3,840 ribayot. Now what is that calculation of etzbaot? So it's 41,472 etzbaot. Etzbaot. So again, 41,172 etzbaot equals 3,820 ribayot. That's another way of saying the one amma times one amma times three amma equals 40 se'ah. We're just uh, breaking it down into uh, into different levels. Now, once we have this, we can figure out how much is one ribi'it. Right? Which means how much is uh, one ribi'it of a mikveh? That we just uh, divide. Which means if 41,000, uh, 3,820, mm-hmm. that's already the shirud of. Uh, of 40 se'ah, right? And we have the shi'ur that that fits in, is into 41,472 square uh, cubic, very good, cubic etzbaot. So we divide in order to find out how much is one ribi'it. One ribi'it would be uh, 41,472 divided by 3,840, and we would get. The answer of 10.8. So therefore, what does it mean? This 10.8. What is 10.8? 10.8 would be two by two by 2.7. That would be the um, cubic shiur uh, of that. So we figured out that the two by two by 2.7 is indeed the shiur of a rivi'it. <coughs> How did we do that? By going all the way to the mikveh se'ah, breaking it down, and we come out to the uh, That's the way the Benu Hananel figures it out. Again, there's other ways to figure this out. You, can, you don't have to break it down to Etzbaot, you can break it down to Lugim, you can break it down to whatever denomination is easy, and then just uh, make the <coughs> uh, calculations. Okay, comes the Gemara continues. See that? Yeah. Comes the Gemara continues. Amar Rav Asheh. Amar li Ravin bar Hinana. <clears throat> Ravin bar Hinana said, Shulchan shel Mikdash. The Shulchan that they had in the Beta Mikdash, shel Perakin Haba. It was made out of components. It was not one solid piece. De'i salka datach. Hadukeh ava mehdak. 
if you tell me that it was all attached, it was one solid piece, Amta Amta How did they dip it? Why? Because the Shulchan and the Bet HaMikdash was gold. That was what Moshe Rabbeinu made. It was Amatayim Orko. It was two Amot in length. The Amar Ruchbo. One Amma in width. The Amar Komato. And an Amma in Koma, in height. Now, when they would have to dip this uh, table, if you're telling me that the Shi'ud of the Mikveh is only one by one, you cannot fit something that has the width of an amma in something that is exactly an amma. No, it's, it's not big. It's one amma to one amma. Which if you're going to dip it on the narrow side of it and immerse it in the mikveh, you're not going to be able to fit it in. Because the width of the mikveh is only one amma. And therefore the table is one amma. So the Gebara says, how did they dip the, the table, the shulchan, in the event that it became tameh? Now we're assuming that in the Beit HaMikdash, because of reasons of lack of space, they made the minimum size Mikveh. If that's the case, you have to say that it was made in Perakim. It was made in, uh, uh, in part, pieces. Now if you look at the art scroll, it just shows you how they did it. A 109B2, you see a picture of it. What they did is, you see the table was uh, split right down the middle. And therefore, you see that uh, one... Amma is now, you have a half Amma, right, on one side over there, and a half Amma on the other. And therefore you're able to now uh, dip it in the Megvan. Obviously, uh, you have to say that the uh, legs were detachable, and that you could fit it in the Megvan. But the point is, you have to say the table was able to come apart. So, right, just so you could fit in the uh, minimum sized Megvan. Read the Rashbam. The Isal Kadatach. Actually, we should perakimava. She cholim lefarek rochbol leshnayim. Now you were able to split its width into two. Vechen raglea shulchan, and so to the legs of the shulchan. Ena mechubarim yafe. We cholim lefarkan, and you were able to detach them. If there was a certain stream, let's say, that had in the Azara, that would dip Kedisharet, that became Tameh. Also was only the Shur of an Amah. That's what they call that uh, stream of water, the Amah Tamayim, because of the <coughs> Shur. In any event, so he says it had to be split. The Gemara rejects that. The Gemara says, no. My Kushya, what's your question? Dilma biyam she'asa shilomo havam matbileh. Shilomo Amalek made a special pool in the Bayat Rishon. And therefore, maybe, and that was tremendous, as we're going to see, it was 150 times the shi'ur of the Megveh. So therefore it was humongous. So therefore who says that to make a table that was uh, detachable? And dipped it in the uh, yam of Shalomo. The Tani, Rabbi Qiyah said, 
ים שעשה שלמה מחזיק מאה וחמישים מקווה טהרה. The yam that Shalom made was able to fit 150 times the shi'ur of a mikveh. As the Gemara in Erubin explained. So that would be 150 times 40. That would be 6,000 se'ah. How many would be eaten? How many fingers? Okay. Right, 6,000 se'ah. Okay. Comes the Yamaran continues. Ve'lo yifhatu lo me'arba'a. Now, For this piece of Gemara that's coming up, <coughs> we need a introduction, just in order to understand what we're about to get involved in. We are now about involving ourselves in the sugya of zugot, the sugya of pairs. Now, we know that the Torah does forbid a wide variety of uh, witchcraft practices, sorcery, uh, and the likings. Now. There is a great mahloket amongst the Rishonim how to understand these Isurim of the Torah. Harambam, who has a very novel interpretation to these things, he writes there's no such thing as witchcraft, and there's no such thing as demons, and there is no uh, powers uh, besides the powers of uh, Borei Olam, Uh, and therefore, uh, all these, uh, he says, a, a rational person should not give any credence to any forces that are associated with these things. And uh, he says, the reason why the Torah forbids you is not because they have powers, it's because that would be the uh, initial uh, uh, draw, to draw you into this magic, into these... Uh, constellations to get you to eventually worship Abu Dazara. So he's forbidding it not because of the powers, but because of what it can lead to. That's the way the uh, Rambam understands. However, Ramban, which is the majority of the authorities, Ramban Nahmani, he says, no, there are powers of black magic, and there is Kohot HaTum'ah, and... The Torah is telling us that we cannot go to these witches and sorcerers, etc., that have these uh, forces over here that are using these uh, kohot. Um, that is that. Now, in this argument over here, uh, we are going to take, in this Gebarat, obviously the Rabban's opinion, that says there is forces of Tum'ah, and these forces do have an ability to Uh, impact and damage a human being, uh, people. That being said, this Gemara is telling us things that are done in pairs can cause the, you want to call them the demonic forces, or however you want to say, kohota tum'ah, to attack and to damage. Therefore the rabbis were very careful not to do things in even numbers. Because they felt it can awaken the Tum'an, it can be damaging. Now, one of the Mitharshim explained what's the, what's the logic of why pairs are uh, forbidden. Because in our belief, we believe Hashem Ehad. Hashem is one. Uh, 
to say that this two kohot already is avodazara, that is blasphemy, that's kefira, uh, that's the denial of the oneness of God. And therefore, anything that's done in two was, so to speak, an ability to awaken the kohot of Tum'ah that tried to deny the oneness of the Kadosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, uh, things uh, in pairs would show as if there's good and bad, there's light and darkness, there's, um, you know, uh, the powers of uh, good and the powers of evil. And therefore, things that were done in two or in pairs would, as if to say, there's two different kohot. So therefore, they kept away from these things, less to awaken the, um, less to awaken the bad side. He calls it over here, um, that the avoidance of pairs is a concrete expression of our rejection of dualism. Dualism is the heretical belief that there are two deities, heaven forbid. The rectification of all of creation comes through the awareness of God's oneness, that He is one, alone, and unique. That there are several twosomes in nature that would superficially indicate two creators. Two hands, two feet, two eyes, two ears. Also there are a number of dichotomies, land and sea, past and future, this world and the next world, light and darkness, etc. So therefore these things would awaken those kohot. Now we begin the Gemara. The Gemara says that we drink four kohot on the night of Pesach. Oh, four kohot! Sugot, it's pears. So comes again what I said, Veloif, Atulu Marbaha, Hechi metakner abanan mideh, deate balideh sakana. How will the rabbis able to establish something that can cause a person to come to sakana? Vehatanya, we learned in the Braita, lo yochal adam tre. A person should not eat two things, which means, for example, two of the same fruit, or two of the same uh, foods, vegetables. A person shouldn't drink, drink two uh, cups of the same drink as well. Because that would be zugot. And a person should not um, clean himself when he's in the bathroom twice. And also in the bed, the is referring to Tashmish Amita. He should not be Mishamesh twice. So comes the Gebarat says, hey, Tell me over here, you're doing Arba uh, Kosot. Amar of Nachman, Amar Kera, Lel Shemurim. Pesa is called the night of protection. Lel Amshumar Ubam in Mazikin. This is the night that we are protected from the uh, different uh, Mazikin, the different uh, cohort over there. Like the Pasuk says on the night of Pesa, Veloi Yitena Mashait, Lavo El Batechem in Gof. Because that night the Mashchit, the powers of destruction, did not have the ability to enter the house. And uh, that's why uh, there are uh, different minhagim, for example. Some leave the door open on the night of Pesach. Why? There's no mazikim that night. Shefuch Hamad Kalagoyim, they say. Because on that night we were not worried about Sakana. Others do not recite the different Pesukim of Kiryat Shemala Mita, which was specifically. Uh, intended to ward off the mazikim. For that matter, again. For that matter, is a whole halakhic discussion 
on Leil Pesach, the first night that falls out on a Leil Shabbat. Do you say Birchat Me'en Sheva or not? Many of the Nishonim say, even though normally we do say Me'en Sheva on a regular Friday night, but on Leil Pesach, we don't. Why? Because Leil Shemurim, the whole reason of the institution of Me'en Sheva was why? Because when they used to go home at night, there used to be mezikim, so everybody wanted to leave the synagogue together so they would stretch the tefillah so there wouldn't be anybody left behind. Uh-huh. But on the Leil Pesach, what do you have to say? Me'en Sheva. This Leil Shemurim, nobody's going to get down. So you see this principle of Leil Shemurim manifest itself uh, many times in the, in the uh, Halakha. And all these things are brought down in the uh, Halakha. Right, some they had the custom not even to lock their doors on Leil Pesach. They would even unlocked uh, the whole time. Comes the Gemara and gives another answer. Rav Amar, Kos Shel Beracha, Mistaref Letoba, Ve'eno Mistaref Lera'ah. The third cup of Birkat Amazon can only be counted for good but it cannot be counted for bad. Which means, if you have two kosot, let's say, two kosot you drink during the meal. Well, you got a problem, you got zugot. And then you make Merkat Amazon, you have the third kos. Well, even though you drank them two before Merkat Amazon, one after, kosho berachaz mestaref letoba. Meaning, you count it as number three. eno mestaref letoba. But you can't use the kos mazon to hurt you. And therefore, if that's your fourth cup that's going to cause you to have zugot, you delete it. And therefore, if you take away the berkat mazon from the factor, then you only have three kosot. So kos mazon can only help you, it cannot hurt you. Let's read the Rashbam. Rabah Amar, kos berkat mazon shu shilishi, which means if you're going to drink the fourth cup which we do for Halil the third one is not going to hurt you because if your third one counts and your fourth one is Zugot so delete the you have three, you don't have Zugot like we're going to see now one more answer so that's the second answer Third answer. Ravina Amar Arbaa Kase Takinu Rabbanan Derik Hirut. Call Had Vehad Mitzvah Beampe Nafsheh. Which means each course was established separately for another purpose of Hirut. Like we said from the Yudushami, you have the four Lisharot, Beotseti, Vitsati, Vigati, Vilakarti. Each course represents a different phase of our freedom. And therefore, it's not considered four kosot. It's considered, uh, each one is considered an individual course that stands on its own. Uh, as a matter of fact, you see that if, let's say, a person only has w- enough wine, where not for four kosot. So he drinks as many kosot as he has. So you see that the kosot are not even of each other. Each, each course, it's not, if we see that all or nothing. And I see each course stands on its own. So therefore, you would not have a problem of the deen of kosot. You wouldn't have the problem of zugot. 
And the way he explains it over here, uh, in the Rabbeinu David, in the, in the um, Ran as well, that each one was mitukan for a different item. For example, one is for the Kiddush, one is for the Haggadah, one is for the Birkat Amazona, one is for the Halil. So each one is coming for its own Anyan. So since it's coming for its own Anyan, it's not four cups for the same item. Each cup stands alone, therefore there's no Anyan of Zugod. Baruch Adonai Amen.